Good morning, everyone. We hope you all had a very lovely Thanksgiving, and it's nice to be together and celebrate on deeper levels, not just with lots of good food and socializing, but going deep in God together as well. Our topic this week from Rays of the One Light is... The Law of Karma, Bondage or Soul Release. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. The Epistle of St. Paul to the Galatians contains this oft-quoted statement. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. In the autobiography of a yogi, Paramahansa Yogananda, tells a story from the life of the Banari saint Trilanga Swami. A skeptic once determined to expose Trilanga as a charlatan. A large bucket of calcium-lime mixture used in whitewashing walls was placed before the Swami. Master, the materialist said in mock reverence, I have brought you some clabbered milk. Please drink it. Trilanga unhesitatingly drained to the last drop the container full of burning lime. In a few minutes, the evildoer fell to the ground in agony Help, Swami, help, he cried. I'm on fire. Forgive my wicked test. The great yogi broke his habitual silence. Scoffer, he said, you did not realize when you offered me poison that my life is one with your own, except for my knowledge that God is present in my stomach, as in every atom of creation, the lime would have killed me. Now you know the divine meaning of boomerang. Never again play tricks on anyone. The well-purged sinner, healed by Trilonga's words, slunk feebly away. Yogananda goes on to say, The reversal of pain was not due to any volition of the master, but came about through unerring application of the law of justice which upholds creation's farthest swinging orb. Men of God-realization, like Trilanga, allow the divine law to operate instantaneously. They have banished forever all thwarting cross-currents of ego, not by reason alone, but by self-realization are the ins and outs of destiny fully understood. Their web, though tied forever to the post of ego motivation, is too intricate to be perceived as a single thread. Only great masters can see it with clarity. It is visible to them in all its workings, not from within the tangle, but from above in superconsciousness. As Sri Krishna said in the fourth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, He who beholds inaction in action and action in inaction 
is wise among men. He is one with spirit. He has attained the true goal of action, perfect freedom. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Good morning, everyone. So karma, this is a good topic. Let me begin by reading from Whispers from Eternity. These are prayer demands of Master. This is the demand that through all tests and trials, the love of God may never fade. O Spirit, I care not if all sufferings come to me, or all things be taken away from me. I pray only that my love for thee never fade through my own negligence. May my love for thee burn brightly forever on the altar of my constant remembrance. That's the way out of karma. So this is a fascinating topic. We could talk about it for a long time, but... You don't have the bad karma of being subject to an overlong talk this morning. The basic law of karma is reflected not only on a human level, but throughout uh, what we think of as the inanimate universe. So in the inanimate universe, it's the law of action and reaction so that Whatever force is put out, an equal and opposite force uh, comes the other direction. You might think of it as a person on ice skates shooting a shotgun, let's say. Because the ice skates don't have much friction, the shotgun uh, pellets will go out in one direction, but the person will be pushed back in the other direction. If it were completely frictionless, then he would go forever in the other direction uh, because of that push. But there's always, even on a physical level, this law of action and reaction that are, are going opposite directions. The law of karma applies more on the level of what happens to us and why it happens to us. And the the question of whether it's Uh, soul bondage or or, uh, the way to our freedom, the law of karma is there in order to help us learn the proper attitudes and the proper actions that put us completely in tune with God, completely in harmony. So every thought, every action that we have sends out energy. Master said that in order to begin to understand the law of karma, we have to understand that thoughts, consciousness, are things and they have energy in them. And every thought that we have sends out a pulse of energy, one might say. And that pulse of energy goes out, but because it originates from us, there's also with it an attractive force that will bring back that energy to us And so if we put out 
a thought, let's say, of anger, we're going to get back to us a, a consciousness of, of anger. Now, the lower we are on the scale of understanding, one of the aspects, maya, is called the measurer. And it's the, the term maya or delusion. In Sanskrit, maya means that which measures, that which separates. And the farther we are enmeshed in maya, the more we see everything as separate. So in the law of karma, as this energy goes back, and then because we have sent it out, it's going to be drawn back to us. But as it comes back to us, if we're enmeshed in the consciousness of separation, we don't see it as coming back to us because of something we did. We see it coming back to us because, what, the universe is unfair? Why did this have to happen to me? I'm innocent. We see it as the fault of other people. You always act like that, you know? So what, whatever we, wherever the level of consciousness is, the farther down it is, the more separate our consciousness is, the more it seems to be coming from outside of ourselves. And the higher our consciousness is, the more it seems to be coming, first of all, fairly, but secondly, because it's going to help us. So everything that comes to us is drawn to us by the law of karma. Now we have a long, long, very, very long trail of actions and thoughts from past, from past lives. And all of that karma comes back to us. Now, one of the very interesting things about the uh, story here with Trilanga Swami is that <clears throat> we might think that the poor fellow uh, who gave the lie and then had to suffer like that being on fire uh, was unfortunate. But actually, he was very, very fortunate because that karma came back instantly. He was in connection with a great master, and the master didn't have the, as, Ma, as Yogananda put it, the uh, thwarting cross-currents of ego that make it, make it seem all obscure. And so that karma came back instantly, and he understood why his stomach was on fire. If it hadn't been a master, if he'd given a bucket of lie to uh, an ordinary person, he wouldn't get that karma back immediately. He might, in a future lifetime, suffer from ulcers or be poisoned. And in his mind, it's all unfair. What did I ever do to deserve that? Everything that comes to us we did something to deserve it. Now that's bad as well as good. So the fact that being in the presence of a master and getting that karma back quickly, that is a great, great blessing because we see the cause and effect um, relationship much more clearly and seeing that cause and effect relationship, we, we are able to adjust our actions 
I was meditating on this subject and one of the great puzzles is why God makes it so obscure. Um, I wouldn't have made it so obscure. <laughs> but he didn't, he didn't uh, consult me when he, when he set up the law of karma. But it's like having tests, but just getting the test back saying passed or failed. And sometimes we don't even get the test back. We just take the test and we don't see the result. But, but the result comes back to us in subtler, more obscure ways. Part of the problem, of course, I'm, I'm uh, talking a little bit lightly. Part of the problem is that the time scale that we have is all messed up. We think that it takes a long time for karma. We think that lifetimes take a long time to unfold and that a million lifetimes, if a one lifetime takes so long to live through all the things in it, then a million lifetimes, oh my goodness, that must take a long time. There isn't any time at all on the highest level. Time is a delusion. And all of this is just consciousness. So, in fact, all karma is occurring simultaneously all the time. We just have the sense that it's coming in a linear way. But, so, karma is a very, very interesting aspect. So, whatever we've put out in the past, we are getting back. And that comes down to minute little things. Sometime, one time Swami was asked the question, how much does karma affect our, our choice, our, our daily activities and our daily choices? He said, karma determines everything down to the color of the tie that you pick up and put on in the morning. Ananda Moy Ma said that we have the freedom to move to the front of the train or to the back of the train. But we don't have the freedom to determine the train, the track it's on, the destination it's going, or any of the, the weather outside, none of that. We can move to the front or move to the back. Another way of putting that, great saints have put it, by saying we have the freedom to love God or not to love God. In Master's beautiful poem, uh, God, God, God. It starts out from the depths of slumber as I ascend the spiral staircase of wakefulness. I will whisper, God, God, God. That's a beautiful image in terms of so much in life. So many understandings can come from that image of ascending the spiral staircase of wakefulness because we... For one thing, a spiral returns to the kind of same point, but at a higher level. And so life after life is like we go around one spiral, one spiral, one spiral. Now, one thing, and so we we really don't have much choice. We're on the spiral staircase. But what we do have is the choice of whether we want to go up or whether we want to go down, because that same staircase goes down just as surely as it goes up. 
And all of that, all of this vast, beautiful process is part of God's gift to us of free will. Now he could create a system. In fact, Yandev says he thinks karma is a, a faulty patch on a bad plumbing system. <clears throat> he said, why doesn't God create, create a world where you just, you come in, you have right thoughts, you act correctly, everybody else acts correctly, and everyone has a good time. <laughs> and so it could be, maybe there's an alternate universe. Or my answer to that was, that's true, but in the night of Brahma, not in the day of Brahma. In the day of Brahma, there's duality and polarity, and it's all going on. So we have poles. We have the pole going up, and we have the pole going down. And imagine being on the staircase. Now, we never stay very long because that's like sitting down on a landing and our own restlessness is going to get us to move one direction or the other. Now, while we're sitting there on the landing, that's called boredom, in case you missed the point. While we're sitting there bored, we're hearing sounds. From down below is the sound of partying. Sounds like it could be fun, could be interesting down here. And up above, well, for a while it doesn't sound so good. It's like bumblebees and flutes and harps and sound of wind through the trees. It's, these are the sounds of Om, in case you hadn't heard that before. But there's more silence up above. And we're attracted, our likes and dislikes are attracted in one direction or another. Well, they're attracted in both directions. But according to past karma, the habits formed from past karma, we will not only be on a certain level of that spiral staircase, but we'll be more attracted toward a direction. And honestly, it doesn't too much matter what level you're on much, much more important is the direction of your energy. Because if you're headed in an upward direction, everything is going to become lighter and easier and more joyful, but less partying, less noise, less outward reaction. But that's the teaching of the, of the masters. And sometimes they put it in a fairly obscure way. Or they put it in a way that sounds so simple that we miss the point. Master gave us a very, very simple um, dictum for both how to live and how to get out of karma. He said, be even-minded and cheerful. Now you read that and you think, well, there isn't much there. I mean, it's just... Kind of, and then you go right on. You want the dense stuff, you know, with the footnotes and the, the deep teachings. Well, even-minded and cheerful is as deep a teaching as you can get. Because karma starts with the reactive process. It starts with our likes and dislikes. And our likes and dislikes, it's part of the 
Master called it the primordial feeling nature of consciousness. That primordial feeling nature of consciousness, chitwa, is what will determine whether we're free or not. And so as that as the feeling nature reacts to events, that's what keeps us bound in maya, in separation. And so that reaction, reactive process, if we can calm that down, or as Patanjali put it, if we can neutralize the whirlpools of the vrittis, or the, the vrittis, if we can neutralize those whirlpools of chitwa or this feeling nature, we automatically go into union with God. So it's that reactive process that we first need to begin to take control over. And so what does Master say? He says, be even-minded. Don't react. Don't get caught in the reactive process. But we do anyway. It's part of our nature to do so. But then the other part of it, he said, is not just don't be reactive because presumably you could say that a rock isn't reactive and a rock is not enlightened, but it says be cheerful. Rock isn't also, also isn't cheerful. So cheerful means that we take the energy of the heart, which is kind of at the middle, it, it, say the heart, in in this kind of analogy that I've been using, represents us where we are on that spiral staircase, our feeling nature. And the heart can be pulled down. The energy of the heart can be pulled down, the desires into negative emotions, or it can be pulled up. And if the direction is up, then we're going to become free of karma. So... How to get the direction up? Well, here's his formula. Be cheerful. Isn't that simple? Do it and you'll be free. Don't do it and you won't be free. But how hard it is to follow these very, very simple uh, rules. Christ put it, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Isn't that as simple as it can get? But how many people do that? How different the world would be if people would follow just that one simple rule. So here we have the law of karma, which is meant really to help us get out of the tangles of maya, the tangles of of reactive process of all of that. And it comes, everything that's coming to us is coming to us as I said at the beginning, because we've put out that energy and it's returning to us. Now, the more we progress, the farther away from the reactive process and the, the delusion of separation, uh, we, we get away from that and we begin to see what's happening in life in a different way. And since we just had Thanksgiving, I want to tie Thanksgiving in with the law of karma too. Because the way out of karma, I was thinking about it and you can 
categorize things in different ways. Anyway, I came up with a four-step process. Of Here are the four quick steps. Uh, the waltz, I think that's a four-step thing, isn't it? Anyway, how to waltz your way out of karma. The four-step process. The first has to do with thanksgiving. And thanksgiving, think about the tradition of Thanksgiving. It's, it's actually very beautiful. The pioneers who came here had a very, very difficult time. They were on the edge of survival and non-survival. And yet, what did they do with the harvest and the feast? They gave thanks to God for all his bounty. Master again and again talks about how important it is to thank God for what has come to you. And so Thanksgiving, Swami wrote a beautiful little note about Thanksgiving. He said it's primarily an American holiday, but it, he said he would really love to see it um, celebrated throughout the whole world because it's, such, it's, it's one of those very spiritually beautiful and correct holidays. So to give thanks, but we shouldn't wait till the whatever it is, fourth Thursday in November until we give thanks. We should do it constantly, all the time, be remembrance, in remembrance of the giver. We couldn't live without everything that we've received. Everything that has come to us, has come to us by the grace of God. And the more we live in the awareness of that and lessen the awareness of thinking, I did it, the more we come into the relationship that frees us from karma. So first of all is to thank God for everything that comes. Now, Swami also gave a very interesting definition of good karma because people ask good karma or bad karma, what, what's the difference? The definition that Swami gave was that which draws us closer to God is good karma. That which draws us away is bad karma. Now that is not the normal definition in society of good karma and bad karma. I remember seeing a cartoon in the New Yorker or from the New Yorker some years ago where there was a cartoonist who did these kind of characters that were all wiggly lines and scratchy hair and so on and had a particular style. Anyway, there were two couples and they were obviously headed out on the town for the night. And one of the men says, the karma tonight is all on me. <laughs> if only it were that easy. Huh? So at any rate, good karma is that which draws us toward God and bad karma is that which draws us away from God. But all circumstances are neutral. Everything is neutral. Our reaction is what determines whether it seems good or bad. So put another way, good karma is that that we react to in such a way that it turns our mind toward God. 
And bad karma is that which we react to in such a way that it turns our mind away from God or desire toward God or away from God. And so thanksgiving, to be grateful for that which comes, is the beginning point from which we untangle the meshes of karma because it puts us in the proper reactive mode. We still have some reactive process. If we have an ego, our ego is reactive. So if it's going to be reactive, let's work to make that reaction a positive reaction. So gratitude is the beginning of that. So we should be grateful for everything that comes to us. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to like everything that comes. You know, if if you're not feeling well and your wife brings you a potion of echinacea, you should be grateful both to your wife and to the echinacea. Doesn't mean you like to have to like the taste of it, but still you should be grateful. So There are lots and lots and lots of things that will come to us in life that we don't like. Likes and dislikes are part of the process. But we should still be grateful that that has come to us. If we depend on our likes and dislikes to determine our direction, then that's what's got us in the mess in the first place. Likes and dislikes is is what has produced the energy that we've put out in the past and the energy that's coming back. And so the first step is to be grateful for everything that comes. And that needs to be an active process, not just a passive process. Okay, the second step is that we need to discriminate. We need to, if, if we accept that we have the, attracted this particular event or this particular consciousness or attitude or circumstance, if we've attracted that, then the question is, why have we attracted this? And so we should ask, why is it coming to me? But not, why me, God? But why? What have I done? What consciousness do I have still that is attracting this event to me? And we should try to understand why that karmic event has come. Now, the clearer we are, the more open, the more grateful, the more we've done the first step, the more likely we are to have the understanding that comes from the second step. Because if if we're not grateful, if we're pushing it away, we're, we're not accepting the energy that's coming back to us and we won't understand it. But understanding, even if we get understanding, that alone isn't enough. One time Swami was giving me a corrective uh, about a particular way that I was working. And I said, I understand, Swami. He said, it's not enough to understand. Change. And so it's not, understanding alone is not enough. We have to take that understanding 
And then we have to change our behaviors and change our attitudes. And if we change our attitudes and our behaviors, then the result of that test will result in a movement toward freedom, toward enlightenment. And that's why karma exists in the first place. So the first step is gratitude. The second step is understanding. The third step is change. Now, how do we change though? Because, you know, it isn't, sometimes we just change randomly. The best thing is to constantly or as often as we can to consciously try to be in tune with the will of God. And it's sometimes hard to understand what that is, so take whatever model works for you. How would Master react to this situation? How would Jesus act in this particular situation or circumstance? Take whatever model you can and attune to that. Your understanding will be incomplete, but at least directionally it will be right. And that direction, as I said, is much more important than the particulars of the situation. So gratitude, understanding or discrimination. The third step is change. And the fourth step is be sure that the direction of your energy is not turned inward toward the ego or toward the self, but turned outward toward others. So the way out of karma of any nature is to give, do unto others in that karmic situation what you would like them to do unto you. If you are feeling, I don't know, let's take a current example in the downturn of the economy, you've lost your job, you're feeling that um, anxious, fearful, maybe resentful, about the fact that you've been laid off from your job? What is the proper reaction? Thinking about how right you are to feel anxious, fearful, and resentful? Or to do the opposite and to say, well, maybe there are others that are feeling anxious and fearful and resentful. Let me do what I can to help them out of their difficulty. And if you put the energy out in the opposite direction. It's as if karma is coming toward you. And if you... Actually, it's a different analogy. It's like karma is coming toward you and trying to get you to move in a certain way. If you resist that, karma will smack you in the face. Go in the direction that karma is trying to get you to go. Run with the energy. Go with the flow. And that karma will come and maybe it'll just touch you lightly on the shoulder because that's all the energy that's left. That's all corrective that you need. So the the final step in getting out of karma is to give unto others that which you would like to have for yourself. Master put it, be a smile millionaire. Constantly give out light and kindness. Swami in his later years now, has become so incredibly kind. He's just, 
I mean, it's it's a joy to be with him. He'll walk down the street and there'll be hardly a person that he passes that he doesn't say something to or nod or smile in greeting and try to give out energy constantly a source of of kindness and blessing and goodwill and really a smile millionaire. So give out to others that which you're wanting for yourself and that will untangle the uh, the the net of karma that has you held. And as that gets more and more untangled, you have less and less of the thwarting cross currents. And the, what little comes to you will come very quickly back to you. And you will, because of long practice of this, these principles, you will understand how to react to it, react positively to understand and to be grateful for everything, absolutely everything that comes and just serve as a light and as a channel of love and blessings to everyone you meet. God bless you.